Our summer sermon theme is focused on creating our stories. As I have reached the most recent decade of my life, I've come to realize that each life is in itself a story. Consider the vignettes you share about your childhood, that first date, the day you realized that the gender you were assigned at birth doesn't fit who you felt inside, that first memorable fight you had with a significant other, the birth of a child, and so on. Every event you experienced or remember is incorporated into the story of your life. One of my favorite authors, Ilona Andrews, a husband-wife writing team that creates some amazing urban fantasy with hidden social commentary, has a blog that often discusses the various aspects of writing. Recently, that blog talked about the difference between episodic and progressive stories. Episodic stories, like most others, have a beginning, a middle, and an end, but at the end, the main character is essentially unchanged. Mysteries are good examples of this. The hero investigates a crime, sorts out the criminal, and returns to their initial state to do it again in the next book. This can be very comforting for the reader. You associate with a hero, are comfortable with that person, and may even sympathize or identify with some of his or her character flaws. And at the end of the story, you have specific expectations about what will happen and trust that they will be fulfilled. We like the comfort of the episodic story. We like it when our friends stay unchanged in basic character or actions, regardless of what life throws at them. We want to expect that they will react in certain ways. However, real life isn't like that. Real life is a progressive story. In the progressive story, decisions a character makes have long-term and often life-changing effects. I think back to a few pivotal moments in my own life. In 1964, I had an opportunity to follow a path I had dreamed about. To do it would have meant telling a lie and defying my parents. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Had I done so, it would have significantly altered my life path, my life story, in ways I can only imagine. I like to tell myself that my actions were based on strength of character, but I was a naive 18-year-old, and I was as likely to have chosen out of fear as out of character. Or as my daughter says, 18-year-olds are stupid. They think they're not, but they are. She was talking about her 18-year-old self at the time. Then there was the choice I made in 1975 to marry someone significantly older than myself. Ultimately, both of those choices contributed to my arrival in this space at this hour. I may or may not have become a UU if any number of choices in my life had gone a different direction. Progressive stories can discomfort us. Does anyone remember, okay, this is gonna show the nerd, does anyone remember the death of Tasha Yar in Star Trek? Yeah. Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Fans were so upset by that event that the writers had to figure out a way to resurrect her. 
sort of. Yeah. I can remember yelling at the television, but she's a primary character. You can't kill her off. <laughs> well, at least that week, Star Trek became a little more progressive and a little less episodic. And as happens in real life, it upset the emotional balance of the viewers. Now, as someone who has spent a good part of my life reading and writing stories, I'm well aware that both kinds of stories, episodic or progressive, have a beginning and a middle and an end. My own life had a two-part beginning, a two-and-a-half-part middle, because I lumped together as a half all those dumb things I did between thinking I was an adult and actually becoming one and an ending that hopefully won't actually happen for a while, and so it doesn't lend itself to being counted. Having said that, it turns out that the ending, as it were, has been the most extended and occasionally the most thought-provoking part of my story. I think that is because I became fully cognizant of what life offers when I fully realized there was an ending. Oh, I intellectually knew that life is finite. I can remember as a child figuring out how old I would be when the century turned from 20 to 21 and wondering how much longer than that I would live. As an avid science fiction reader, I wondered what glories of technology I would have a chance to experience. I did imagine something along the lines of a phone or a tablet that I could give instructions to, but I never imagined the chaos of social media or the extent of plastic pollution. And alas, the robot I hoped to own never materialized, nor did the life-extending nanobots. So I blithely moved through life, going to work, making scones, taking the children to school and the dog to the vet and worrying about the bills. Then, boom, my husband died and mortality rose up and leveled me. It wasn't supposed to happen like that in life. Life was supposed to be episodic. And ironically, many people around me, while willing to give me recovery time from the death of my spouse, a week or so, expected things to return to more or less normal, just like the detective stories, to episodic behavior. But I had come to realize there really was an end to life. Maybe not my own end, but still an end that forever changed things. My life had been full of plans that involved two people, and now there was one. There'd been no preparation time, no transition time, and the change was irrevocable, as it will be when I'm gone for those who are closest to me. Life is definitely a progressive story. All this brings me to the thoughts I've had about that mortality. First, it is inevitable. All things perish. This is part of the circle of life. Recognizing that we have a finite number of minutes can, perhaps should, motivate us to budget those minutes according to what we want to accomplish. How many minutes should we spend on building relationships? Doing what brings us joy? Holding jobs so we can pay for necessities? What are those necessities and so on? How can we, wake, how can we work to make the world or at least our neighborhoods better? 
Each year we have, as the song reminds us, 525,600 minutes. How do we want to spend them? After all, we are each the author of our own story. My second thought was that one of the best investments of that time is to continuously learn and grow, especially in ways that improve character and spirituality. This idea is reflected in both the UU third and fourth principles, which include encouragement to spiritual growth and a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. This time can also be used to create joy. Time spent in nature or making music or creating something of beauty. It can be spent on building personal relationships and on creating good around us. I've always hoped to leave the world a better place than I found it, even if only in some small way. If every person on the planet did one good thing a day, imagine how we might change the entire world. And it is now, the living we do day to day, that matters. Mortality isn't concerned with an afterlife. It doesn't matter if you believe in heaven or reincarnation or no afterlife at all. Before mortality claims us, we have this time to spend, this life to live, and this story to create. As a UU, I take great comfort in our seventh principle, respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. We've learned over the last few years what happens when that web is damaged. We are in a time of reset now, a time of choices in where our stories will go. Let us not forget that during the pandemic, as human relationships floundered, the air grew cleaner and formerly abused lands began to recover. We can use that knowledge to add responsibility and nuance to our stories. I remember hearing as a child the aphorism, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Like most people, I encountered the taxes quite early on and still deal with them on a regular basis. And like most people, I went many years without thinking of the other inevitability. As it grows near, I find I don't fear it. Instead, I find myself thinking only about the things I want to accomplish to finish before it arrives. As the Dalai Lama says, analysis of death is not for the sake of becoming fearful, but to appreciate this precious lifetime. There are stories to write, music to play, people to love, and the corollaries to those pursuits, the dusty blinds and weeds in the garden will still be there tomorrow, as my backyard testifies. Unless, of course, dealing with either of those brings you joy. We all need a little joy in our lives. When we have millions of minutes ahead of us, spending a few on anger or other fruitless pursuits doesn't seem like much of a waste. Maybe only 0.000001%. Life and time become more precious as those zeros begin to disappear. Wouldn't you rather spend a few of those moments supporting a friend who's struggling with health, working on the bring out the vote movement, or helping restore the Tualatin River Valley, 
rather than fuming over the latest antics of an egocentric politician, although I'll be the first to admit I've done my share of the latter. Um, when we take time to think about our own mortality, it adds a different layer of perspective to the decisions we make. It is, for an example, an indicator that indeed all persons have something in common and can prompt us to have more compassion for those with whom we disagree. It can encourage us to move closer to family and friends, to seek wisdom from those who cherish rather than denigrate life, any life, human, animal, or plant. Well, I'm not so sure about wasps or scorpions or tarantulas or earwigs, but definitely all the others. As it was succinctly expressed by the Dalai Lama, awareness of death is the very bedrock of the entire path. Until you have developed this awareness, all other practices are obstructed. One of the few regrets I have about my own story is that I didn't start to learn to play the cello until I'd already spent seven decades of this precious life. I'm just grateful that I've been given at least some time to do so now. I've found myself choosing to do that and a variety of other pursuits since I began thinking about life's inevitable conclusion. I want my last regret to simply be that I didn't think about it sooner. I neither fear nor embrace mortality, but my awareness of it has led me to more fully engage in the things that bring meaning to the time I do have. I'd like to close with a quote from Jean-Luc Picard or his spokesperson, Patrick Stewart, who is still actively engaged in life, though in his 80s. Someone once told me that time was a predator that stalked us all our lives but I rather believe that time is a companion who goes with us on the journey and reminds us to cherish every moment because they'll never come again. What we leave behind is not as important as how we lived. May it be so for you as well.